This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Listen loud to the windmill. Listen loud to the rain. I feel that water licking up my feet again. I don't want to see the sky no more. Wasting my days on a factory floor. The first thing you know, I'll be back in my river. Anytime you want me, you can come around. But only 60 separates me and the big top I've been working hard 12 hours a day. In the morning, I'll save or buy my youth again. Kia and welcome into Extra Time, Ben Francis in the chair. I'm going to be sitting here uh, tonight, Tuesday and Wednesday night, so a full week of me here on Extra Time. Uh, thanks for listening in. I hope you have all had a safe, long weekend. Myself, I've been down in Topor seeing the mother-in-law and family. Uh, always good to catch up. I just got back this afternoon, like just made it back in time <laughs> to host Extra Time. Uh, always leaving when the traffic's around is not a good idea. Anyways, hope you enjoyed your uh, time off, and if you've still got some time off, uh, please enjoy it. Tonight, we're going to cover a few topics, but I really want to hear from you. So call in 0800 150 811 or text on 8833. Uh, if you want to talk anything about uh, the Super Rugby shows you just heard, please fire them in. I'd love to hear from you, but we're going to try to put the spotlight on the NRL uh, of course, the Warriors against the Newcastle Knights. Uh, this hour, I'll give you my player ratings as well. And I've also got a question, which I'll fire your way as well. So I want to really get your thoughts on SENZ Extra Time. Let's get into it. Come around, but don't leave me to leave. 
four minutes after eight here on Extra Time. Love to hear from you tonight. Give us a call 0800 150 811 or text us on double eight double three. And I was expecting a, this man to call through, and that's Graham. Graham, how was your Easter? Oh, pretty busy then. Yeah, good though. Yeah, but yeah, real good. Ah, uh, that, that's good to hear, mate. Yeah, and- great. Yeah, just a quick one on the rugby. Yeah, no, good. I enjoyed your interview with White Crockett. Yeah, great guy, White. Yeah, um, yeah, I knew him through when he played here for the Crusaders. Yeah, no, he's good, good analyst, very good analyst too. He breaks down everything very well, not just the front row stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, I thought his comments were very uh, were right on the money actually. You know, um, about the Crusaders. Yeah, I think that the uh, injury toll. You know, I think. It's a second half competition, you know. You'd like to think it'll help because players have developed on from where they were last year, and some players have had first starts, you know. So, um, you know that that's and you get the other players back it doesn't that doesn't mean it's going to be easy in the second half of the comp. But yeah, I think having um, guys like Dominic Gardner and Tamaiti Williams, like he highlighted last week, you know, have been exceptional. So that they've played played well last year but you know they've got they've even got better again this year but um yeah it'll be interesting times ahead mate i have to i have to ask you why it was a bit uh, hazy on his on his 100th game do you remember that game at all uh, i remember why well, i remember his 200th very well <laughs> but that was about 6 years later in 2018 of course so I was at that was against the highlanders and they had the white crockett stadium with all the white crockett um <laughs> They had uh, face masks, uh, like the Todd Blackadder ones back in the day, and Alex Wiley ones, which, I, which none of you guys, but you've read about in history books, but I remember them. Um, but yeah, no, I, I do vaguely remember the 2012, but they didn't um, they didn't quite make it as big. It was the first year we were in the stadium where we're playing now, and I, yeah, I, it wasn't quite as big a deal as, as what his 200th was, because he sort of went so far ahead of anyone else in terms of the number of games, so... Yeah, but I do remember it being, I think it was here too in Christchurch. Yeah, yeah. it might have been a South African team actually, but um, yeah, I remember his 200th one a lot better. Yeah, yeah, uh, Graham. and another comment I'd like to get from you, uh, we've, of course I said that the Crusaders through seven games have used 40 players, lots of young guys have had to step up. Uh, throughout with so many injuries uh, they should be getting some guys back very soon but has there been one young player through these seven games who has really stood up for you or you know who's really really impressed you? Well it's, it seems the new players um, I mean there's been guys like Jamie Hanner at Lock he's had to come off the bench a couple of times um, you know and Will Gorter on the wing you know he's he's come through um, you know but probably you know Noah Hossam I think played you know he had a bit of a tough night at the office against the Fiji and Drua, but played very well last week, you know, in Brisbane. So, you know, those guys, but in terms of players that have been around, I, I say this because they've been around two or three years, but I think people like Dallas McLeod have only had sort of probably eight or nine games, and, not, and some of them would have been off the bench too, not, not all at early round games, but he's really made strides in the midfield because he's had a, quite a number of games, you know, so it just shows your patience, you know, people often say, oh, people, why do these guys hang around, but then injuries and players going overseas, you know, I'd, I'd probably single him out as someone, because he has been in the, since here for about, since about 2020, but, you know, he's cha- he's only really had, you know, like about 10 games, you know, over that period, so he's really stepped up and showed his, you know, his fruition, his potential come to fruition, I suppose, yeah. 
in the midfield with so many injuries. Obviously, Goodyear and David Avili, and and there's been others too. <laughs> been in and out. Well, Braden Enor, um he's had to play a lot too and done well. But yeah, da- yeah, Dallas McLeod would be one in particular. Yeah, got a got a couple quick more uh, quick ones for you, Graham. Uh, firstly. White Crockett, he gave them. The, he said that he would probably give them around a six for their start to the season. Or would you have similar thoughts, or do you think they've been slightly better or worse? Oh well, I'd probably go, you know, six point five seven. You know, just uh, I've probably been a fan. You know, you've got the more rose tinted glasses at times, but you know, the thing six seven. You know, it's I wouldn't go higher than seven, but you know, six. Maybe he's right, but you know, just to, that that would be fair. You know, I think. Um, Given the amount of play, I know people say we've got endless steps, but they, even the Crusaders don't. Um, but yeah, no, I think around that area it was fair. Like he said, if I said seven, he say six, or you know, it's how do you quantify it? Someone else say six point five, but yeah, around that area. And then you, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to get better. There's no doubt. I mean, obviously they will. Sam Whitelock back, you know, and guys like that. So that, that is huge. Uh, last one uh, from me, Graham. Uh, I'd like to throw you away. He mentioned Andrew Goodman as a potential Crusaders coach for 2024. Would you like to see him doing that, or would you rather oh, someone else? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Um, yesterday on the uh, Bunnings Run show, actually, um, it was uh, God. I forget who the, the host of Change. It wasn't um, Justin. And, uh, it was Gordon um, Simpson, I believe. Gordon Simpson and his bionic with, arm. Um, yes, that's right. And the Scottish. Matt, uh, Rip, yeah, he was on, and um, yeah, that was asked the same question. Yeah, Andrew Goodman, I think, really stands out, you know, because he's got a couple of titles with the Marcos, and also he's been a success. He's been with Ray, he was with Razor right through until the end of last year. So he's, he was there, you know, and he was a big contributor. You know, he wasn't just making up, you know, he, he, I used to see him and what he did, and very, very uh, active, hands on coach. Yeah, I think he'd be great. If they got, if he, I'm sure he'd want it. And if he got out of the Leinster contract, I think he would be number one. Definitely, I agree with Wyatt, 100%. Uh, Graham, thank you so much for your call tonight here on Extra Time. No, good man. Have a good night, Ben. Uh, that's Graham there from Christchurch. Uh, I called him. I call him a different name every week. Don't think of one off the top of my head this week. But uh, Andrew Goodman and also Graham uh, calling through there uh, on Extra Time. It is uh, eleven minutes after eight here on Extra Time. Coming up after the break, uh, I'm going to throw a question uh, the listeners' way with regards to New Zealand Warriors. I know there are lots of Warriors fans out there. Uh, I threw the question out there on Twitter on social media, and I got a few responses. So I'm going to let you guys know, and I'd love to hear from you. So 0800 150 or text us double eight double three. Want to have a chat? Give us a call. 0800 150 Extra time on SCNZ. They're asking for six again. Now the Knights, here goes Brayley. They've got space on this right hand edge. Here's Dominic Young. Can he go through it? It's a tackle on him. And he gets over the line. Does Dominic Young with strength and power taking three Warriors with him. And Dominic Young opens the scoring for the Newcastle Knights. Now his best. Gets a fin and a pass away. Out to that left hand edge. Marju over the top of Nickel Kloostar goes Greg Marju. And the Knights... In the space of 30 seconds, have marched 70 metres and scored their second. Johnson skips out of one, then puts a short ball through to Pompey. That right there is just how it was drawn up for the Warriors. Easy as you like. Kick high in the air from Hastings. Underneath it is about four different players from both sides. It's scrappy. It's picked up by Frizzell. Planted over the line. And the Knights have try number three. 
Egan going right to Johnson. Johnson skipping across the line. Five level Kluster. Can he get through to the line? He can. Can he get the ball down? Yes. Nickel Kluster. He doesn't look too happy with it, but the referee's given it. And the Warriors have got the four-pointer they so desperately wanted and needed. Although now, they're referee look, Kennedy. They're looking at Pompey here. So you got Curran on the inside, Pompey on the outside, and he goes through the line. He should have pulled up here. Oh, well, that's very disappointing for the Warriors, Kempe. And suddenly, what could have been a four-point deficit is going to stay at 10. Now on tackle 5, Crossland goes to the air. It's going to come down around about the 10 metre line. It goes through the hands of a Knights player. Comes backwards though and it's still play on. A kick into the end goal. Crossland might have a chance. He's got a try. Phoenix Crossland off the kick. I think it was Bradman Best who put a dodgy grubber through. The Warriors have a scrum 10 metres out from the Knights line under the post. Here's Johnson through the hands to Pompey. Can he get another? Pompey over the line. Yes he can. He's got it down and the Warriors... A carbon copy of the try they scored in the first half have pulled it back. They come to the short side. Here's Nickel Klustark and he stretch out. Gets the offload away. Pompey finds Cossey and he's in the right-hand corner. The Warriors are storming back in the second half just like they did seven days ago. Here goes Kurt Mann out of dummy half. Kurt Mann. Too so easy for the Knights. Just talking about how important it was for the Warriors to defend. Kurt Mann picks it up from dummy half. Goes underneath three or four Warriors players and scores right underneath the posts with 15 minutes to play. Five metres out from the Warriors line, right in the middle underneath the sticks. Here goes Hastings, left again. It's a good uh, chance out here on the left-hand edge for Marju. He's going to go through. Soft defence from the right-hand edge from the Warriors. And Greg Marju has a double this afternoon. The, Warri uh, the Knights... Put the Warriors in a further hole. It's 32 points to 18 with a kick to come. Nickel Kluster going back towards the left. A crash ball for Jackson Ford. And the Warriors go through. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. Jackson Ford gets up quickly. The referee gives it. And that's going to be 34 points to 22. Kick to come. Here goes Surinan to Fanua Blake. Now here's Johnson. Johnson puts a kick in on early. Cossie might be able to get there. Can he? No, it dribbles out over the sideline. Just as the siren goes... And the Newcastle Knights will end the Warriors' winning streak at three games. They win here at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle. 34 points to 24. Great call there from Sam Hewitt and Tony Kemp last night on SENZ for the Warriors. Unfortunately, going down uh, 34 to... I had 34-24. Yep, that is correct. Uh, last night at McDonald's Jones Stadium. Uh, the Eels have just beaten the West Tigers for their second win of the season, 28-22. And another score update for you as well. Uh, things are not looking good for the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, they lost 4-1 to Melbourne City and they sit fifth on the A-League ladder with three... <laughs> Three straight losses, so not the best there for the Phoenix with just three games left before the playoffs begin. But the Warriors slumped to their second loss of the season, going down 34-24 to the Newcastle Knights. Uh, the slow start actually came back to bite the Warriors, but let's be fair, it was only going to be a matter of time before that happened. The Warriors have now conceded the first try in every game this season, all inside the opening 10 minutes, and that's something that Andrew Webster has touched on in his press conferences and something they desperately need to address. While it was disappointing to see that streak end, this was something we touched on last week. 
And this is where we will truly see what this side is made of and what improvements have been made under Andrew Webster. Yes, the Warriors are 5-2, and two, but boy, they have a tough, tough schedule coming up. In their next five games, uh, they've got the Cowboys this coming weekend at Mount Smart Stadium. Ten days later, Anzac Day clash against the Melbourne Storm. Uh, I think it was 2014 off the top of my head the last time they won that. Five days later, back home against the Sydney Roosters, a side that's already beaten them this season. Then it's the Penrith Panthers in the Magic Round and then another match against the Bulldogs before the bye. For any side, that is a brutal, brutal run. To make matters worse, it seems like Wade Egan and Tamati Martin will be joining that injury list which features Mitch Barnett. Apparently he's still a few weeks away. But there are also a lot of battered and bruised bodies on the field. You see Chancey Klugstad seems to <laughs> limp, limp after every game. And that, but taking everything you've seen into consideration this season, what do you think the Warriors' record will be when it comes to round 12 and that buy? I think they'll bounce back against the Cowboys. I think then they will lose one and win one against the Storm or the Roosters, whichever way that goes. I'm not sure. I'd say it's more likely the Storm beat us and then we beat the Roosters. Just based on the Warriors' record away from home and the short turnaround, I think when this has happened in the past, I think the Warriors have usually got the wood over the Roosters. I think then they lose to the Penrith Panthers and then they bounce back against the Doggies. So that's a 3-2 and two record in the next five games and that will give them a 7-4 and four record heading into the bye, which, let's be honest, I would have definitely taken at the start of the season. But... Say the Warriors go one and four in this period, would you still be happy with a six and five record? Or even a five and six record? What is a pass mark for you for the Warriors at round twelve? I'll repeat those five games they've got coming up. Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers, and Bulldogs. As I said, brutal schedule for any side, not necessarily the Warriors, any NRL team. I'll give you my player ratings later in the hour, but right now I do want to hear from you. So grab your phone. If you want to have your say, let me know. 0800 150 811 or text us double eight double three. Let me know where the Warriors will be placed. How do you see those next five games going? If they go 1-4 and four or 0-5 oh and, and they have a losing record into that bye, are we still speaking highly about the Warriors as we have been in these opening rounds of the NRL campaign or if they go 3-2 and two, like I predict and they got 7-4 and four, I think would be ecstatic but we don't win all those games are we still as confident as Warriors fans still as confident as they are right now so let me know 0800-150-811 or text double eight double three. I posed the question last night on social media and I mean, the response was pretty positive. The, lots of people think the Warriors will go 3-2 and two in that period, like myself, giving them that 7-4 record, which I think, for, like I said, for us it will be a pass mark. So let me know what you think. 0800-150-811, 0800-150-811, or text double eight double three. If you haven't had your chance to have your say on the Warriors today, or if you have and you just want to talk some more, let me know. I really want to hear from you and how you really really feel the Warriors are going to be going in this next period because 
it, let's be honest, it could be season defining. They go 0 and 5. We're having a completely di- different discussion as we are right now. So let me know 0800 150 811 or text me 8833. minutes after eight here on SCNZ Extra Time. Ben Francis in for Ricardo Ball. Uh, just before the break, I threw the question out there. Where do you think the Warriors will be sitting after their next five games? And I ask that because at the moment they are four and two, which I think we can be pretty happy with. But the next five games, Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers and Bulldogs. There's a very good chance they could go I reckon three and two. Uh, every response I had on social media agreed. But there's easily they could easily just go one and four or zero oh and five. And if that does happen, I want to know how the Warriors Nation would be feeling because it's been a very promising start to the campaign. I think we can say at this stage, after six games, four and two, we're pretty happy. Of course, the one New Zealand Warriors proud partners here with SCNZ. But they go on a bit of a losing streak. Are we still as optimistic? Are we still as hopeful? Or will it be the same old cliches, here we go again? Which I hope is not the case because things have been very promising and the Warriors have had to do some of this without some of their marquee players. And I'll give you my player ratings very, very soon with how the Warriors rated. Oh, I gave them my ratings for the Wild Wards. Uh, I'll give them to you before the end of the hour. But please let me know. 0800-150-811 or text me double eight double three. Let me know where you think the Warriors sit. Let me know what games you think they'll win. Even if you want to share your thoughts on the game last night, let me know. Uh, my initial takeaways from the game, if you would like to know, was pretty simple the, the slow start finally came back and bit us in the backside I uh, touched on the stat earlier the Warriors are considered the first try every game this season all inside the opening 10 minutes and when you try and play catch up footy it's not that easy call me biased but I kind of felt like the try which I think uh, Charles Nicol Klugstad scored I think that was incorrectly ruled out but I'm guessing we'll get an official word on that tomorrow. I was expecting that today, but of course, being the long weekend, uh, we've got to wait an extra day for Graham Annesley. Uh, how I saw it, I think it was Jackson Hastings. I think Jackson Hastings was looking at the ball runner, but he, I felt he deliberately moved in, in line uh, 
I think it was uh, Adam Pompey who ran the line which took out Hastings and I mean milked the call so good on you you do what you got to do and uh, I think the video referee made the right call as well with regards to the Jackson Hastings no try uh, because the Knights player deliberately ran in the in the line of of the Warriors player uh, but anyways those decisions where they do award the try and then they stand there and wait and then the kick's taken it's just comical. I I had some people over in the UK say to me, is this what it's like in rugby league? And I said, yes, it is. And it's pretty much like the VAR on the football over there. They celebrate, but it gets taken away from them, which is incredibly frustrating. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but whether travel has been a factor, I'm not too sure because look, the Warriors haven't really had to travel much over the last few years. And now they're back to traveling again and back to how things were before COVID was around. That could have been a factor. They've got lots of guys playing a lot of minutes and they haven't really had to make a lot of changes to the side and whether that overall fatigue just kicked in playing on a Sunday night. Hey, I wouldn't like playing sport on a Sunday night to be honest, but I'm not a professional athlete. So, <laughs> But yeah, I just want to know. I really, really want to hear from you, Warriors Nation. Let me know how you think they're going to go in those next five games. As I said, Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers and Doggies. I think it's realistic that Look, I, I think it's just as realistic the Warriors could go two and three as it is three and two. It's being pretty honest, but I just want to know how you then will be judging them after they've got that record because that changes the whole complexion of the season. Just a bit of news as well coming out from that game as well that just finished not long ago with the Eels beating other Tigers. Sounds like Adam Dewey, who is the Tigers 5'8", has done his ACL be his third ACL on his left knee. So looks like he will be gone for the season. But let me know, Warriors Nation, 0800 150 or text me double eight double three. But right now, let's hear from the Warriors coach, Andrew Webster, and also Dylan Walker fronted the media after the 34-24 loss to the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, I think, though, like our starts are there's a little bit more to them. We're just piggybacking them out of trouble. We're going to go three or four yardage penalties away, uh, and we just got yeah, we just got to dig in a bit and turn them away early, and just get some confidence from our defence. I feel like it's just it's not from a lack of trying. That's that's the complete opposite. They're just you know discipline and probably not thinking because they're so keen. Um, you know, when you're piggybacking them out of, out of trouble, it's often because you're going early. So um, we just. Yeah, we just got to be smarter, and you know, it's still a long way to go. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and we've started well, but we knew this. We knew these this was going to sneak up on us if we didn't get it right, and it happened tonight. And we just got to own moments better and, and be more disciplined. How much do you um, talk about it or focus on it all in your preparation? Do you talk about it in the sheds before you go out? <laughs> we didn't. I, I I didn't put it at the front of the boys' minds this week because that's all I've done. I've just put it at the front of their minds and I've driven it into them, we've practised it, we've done scenarios, I've, I've said this in every press conference. So I was like, I'm not doing that this week. I just We spoke about an 80-minute performance rather than particular parts of the game. Um, let's, let's just play our style of footy we want to play for 80 minutes as opposed to talking about let's start well and let's get this right. Um, yeah, and yeah, we'll work it out. There's, individuals are going to have to own those moments because th- that's... That's coming from 
discipline from from the individual. So we've got to work that out. Yeah, um, we're we're good at sticking to the plan when we when we're behind. Um, where, like I said, we like last week was the same thing. We we wanted to grind them in the ground. We were doing really well. We had high possession because of little discipline. Um, we made a yardage error and then we let a try in straight away. So yeah, those we're not going to be perfect. So when we're not perfect, we're gonna we're gonna absorb a bit of pressure. And, and hold them out there and we let them score straight away and kind of let them off the hook so um, yeah I did feel a bit of deja vu I'm not going to lie I, I was saying to myself if we win this one I, I don't know if I'll be celebrating as hard this, this week I'll be just yeah, a bit, bit frustrated how it's always happening but you, you know the, the boys are just want to they never give up so I mean you could you could be coaching worse teams where they just want to holy dooly <laughs> scare the hell out of me how good how good's our night going? Um, I'll just hold that and talk. Um, you could honestly be coaching teams that give up, so we don't give up, so I'm proud of that. Yeah. Dingo, do you want to come hold this or you want me to do it? <laughs> Six again, let's keep going. There was a um, moment in the first up there where Charles was denied um, for an obstruction, then Newcastle go down there and score and all of a sudden goes from being 16 12, 22-6. I just got a view. If that happens, we don't let them score. That's my view. What do you think? Yeah, no, we definitely got to be better. Just those are big moments in a game where you can. Mm. It's a it's a twelve point swing. If if we score that, then it's six points. Yeah, but it's just it's just part of the game now. I think you know with those obstruction causes, it's consistent. So you know we, we can't hang out hats on of just waiting to call from the ref. We have to learn how to defend those tries and yep. you know, keep turning up. And those are the 50-50 calls that I think Webby has been elaborating throughout these conferences. We've just got to win those little battles for us to, you know, um, keep the momentum on our side. Yep. Uh, we don't know. He'll go for a scan, but um, I don't know yet. Yeah. It doesn't. He, I don't know, he could, he could kind of put weight on it, but he was struggling to. Um, and then he, I think he knew something was wrong straight away and the, the physio didn't um, muck around. He said, that's it. You know, you don't want to lose your six. He would have kept him out there if he could. So, yeah, we don't know yet. It's the lower part of his leg on the outside. Did you have a view on the tackle? I haven't seen the tackle, mate. That's the truth. I haven't yeah. seen it, yeah. I was too worried about who was going to go on and who was going to move where and what was going to happen next. So, I, I, can't, I don't like getting caught up in that stuff, yeah. It felt like your attack there still worked pretty well. Yeah, I think when we had the ball, we looked really good. Um, you know, it's just part of possession and having time with the ball. Um, in that second half, I felt like we were completing our sets. Um, Shawnee had a really good kicking game again tonight, and you know, we're chasing down there. It's just the moments, like I think where you were saying it mm. before, where we just lost it and Newcastle were better. Um, yep. they, they owned their moments um, and got the two points tonight. Um, Every cause he's come a really long way. Mm. Um, Dallin kind of getting close to coming back. Yep. Oh, not this second, but I know, I know Dallin's attitude throughout the week. He's an international. Um, those boys have played five games and had a big contribution to us winning. Um, Dallin comes back and um, I tell him the news and he says, "Whatever's best for the team, Webby, I'll do it." Um, so we, you know, I was pretty proud of him for that. And not only does that, he goes out and has a cracker game in reserve grade. So. Yeah, really proud of him. Um, we'll we'll just get through tonight and then we'll work it out. But 
uh, yeah, he can only go out and play well. So he did that tonight. Uh, just concussion and he failed it, mate. He's talking in there. He's he's fine. When I say well, he's feeling sore and sorry, but he's yeah, no dramas and at this stage. But yeah, he he failed it. Yeah. Well, Mitch is probably going to be another two or three weeks. It's just about confidence for Mitch. Mitch would play tomorrow if he could. I've said this a couple of times. It's not a knee or an ankle. It's a neck. So, um, yeah, he's. we're just continuing to clear him of things. And it, once he's cleared, it could be like the next week. But we don't want to throw him into contact until we know that he's confident. There's no soreness or anything like that. And once that happens, um, Barney could be back a lot quicker than, than we think. But... We're just not going to mess around with it being a neck, so we'll just look after him there. He's keen, very keen. Andrew, you look like you've got some depth. Um, your reserve grade team got 50 on the rights. Yep. Are some young guys there that up and coming? Are they knocking on the door? Can they be used? Will they be used if you need them? Yeah, yeah, no, they can be used. Um, I'm, I'm happy the way they're going. I mean, we've got a lot of young good kids. I mean, young kids. We've got a lot of local Kiwis too that showing that they wouldn't be part of the Warriors too, that are part-timers that are doing a great job. So that's exciting for the future. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll just next man up, see if we get a few back. We don't know yet. And then, yeah, if we don't, we'll, they'll they'll get an opportunity and they'll they'll do the Jersey proud. Harris be right next week? I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if he's not. Uh, I've been thinking Toy's close every week. I'm not playing any games to Toy when I name him. I genuinely think he's a chance. And he's just got an injury that... Um, to be fair to Toy, he's got an injury that it, it, it could be it could be fine real quick, and he's getting closer and closer. But it's just that last bit of confidence in it, uh, in his knee, and he's done, he's done those type of injuries before, so he knows his body pretty well, and uh, he'll be certainly um, welcomed back. But if he's not ready, he's not ready. 18 minutes away from 9 o'clock here on SCNZ Extra Time that there was Andrew Webster and you also heard a, heard a bit from Dylan Walker there as well. Talking after the 34-24 to 24 loss to the Newcastle Knights, as I say, I'd love to hear from you tonight. Warriors, Warriors fans have been a bit quiet tonight. Maybe it's the long weekend or the well, not-so-nice weather depending on what part of the country. When I was in Taupo all weekend and it was absolutely beautiful until the moment I left and right on the outskirts of town it was pouring rain, horrible. I know in Auckland, horrible weather all weekend, so unfortunately for you guys, but I, I enjoyed the sun. I enjoyed the sun. I had to rub it in. But yeah, I really want to hear from you guys. Uh, as I say, ne- uh, next five games for the Warriors, incredibly tough. So I just want to know where you think they're going to be sitting at the end of those five games. It's as simple as that. What would be a pass mark for you? Are you happy with the way they're going so far? So let me know. 0800 150 811 or text 8833. But coming up after the break... I will hand out my WAR wards for the the game against Newcastle. I've got three eights in there. I'll leave it at that, and I'll let you know who those are after the break here on SNZ. It is 16 away from 9.
11 minutes away from 9 o'clock here on SCNZ Extra Time. Ben France is filling in for Ricardo Ball tonight. Uh, if you missed the first hour of the show, we had in the red myself, White Crockett, talking all things Crusaders, and we also had myself and Peter Alatini talking all things Moana Pacifica. If you missed those shows, head along to our podcast pages and you can catch up on those. I personally found them quite insightful, but maybe that's because I was doing the talking this time. So... <laughs> We'll see. But uh, right now, it is time for the Wild Wards, the weekly Wild Wards, and of course, the overall winner at the end of the season for the Warriors will win uh, the. I haven't said it on the final name. Uh, the, we've had the Ben Francis Wild Ward trophy, we've had the Big Ben Wild Ward. All sorts of names. So we'll, we're working on it still. We're just trying to see, you know, we get that big sponsor on board. That might steady things along. But uh, time for the player ratings from the, ga- the the game against Newcastle Knights. Of course, the Warriors going down 34-24. Start fullback as always. Uh, Charles Nicol-Klugstad uh, being one of the best for the Warriors this season. I gave him an 8. I felt he had, had another strong game at the back, carried the ball well, and uh, he had that try disallowed as I touched on earlier. Uh, Ed Cossey gave him a 6. Not the best on defense, to be completely honest with you. Uh he did score that try, and he has gone well this year, but Dallin Watini Zelezniak scored four tries for the Warriors reserve grade side in his first game back, so I'm guessing that could be a change for this coming week against the Cowboys. Could be. Cossie's played well, but you've got a New Zealand international there that are reportedly the highest paid winger in the NRL. You don't really want him sitting on the sideline too much. Uh, Viliami Viala gave him a 6 a bit improved on last week I'll leave it at that Adam Pompey, I've always struggled with Adam Pompey now I've, I like Adam Pompey I remember when he first kind of started I kind of felt he was getting a bad rap but he's one of these guys and he had moments of brilliance he scored a tri-double against the Knights fantastic to see but I always say another Pompey performance because he has moments of brilliance but then he has moments of absolute I was going to say stupidity, but I can't do any better. So just he just had a couple of bad moments in that game, which really hurt the Warriors. I did. I was kind to him this week. I gave him a seven. As I say, if you've got any views on what I give these guys, 0800-150-811 or text double eight double three. question me on it. I would love to hear from you. Marcelo Montoya, I gave him a five. Very quiet again. He's running the ball, but haven't seen too much else from him, which is, oh, I'd say, slightly concerning. Uh, Tamari Martin, I gave him a five. He was running all right with the ball. Uh, he left the field injured. Some concerns. I reckon he's probably going to have a few weeks on the sideline. Means that uh, Ronald Volkman will probably come back into the halves. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. Nothing against Ronald Volkman, but it's more the fact we've only got the two fit halves now. Uh, Luke Metcalf also out. Not too sure when he's going to be back. Uh, Sean Johnson gave him an 8 past the 1,000 point mark. Uh, another strong match from him. Kicking game very well. Did his best to try to lead the side back, but not to be. Adam Fenua Blake gave him a 6. I felt he improved as the game went on. Wade Egan gets a 6 as well. Left the field with another head knock. I'm quite concerned. as He's pretty much gone off the field in every game he's played in this year with some sort of knock or injury, but that was 
it was a beautiful. If you haven't seen the head clash, and I, I don't like to rate these things, but it was up there, up there with some of the best head clashes you've seen. Absolutely beautiful. No, that's actually why I shouldn't be saying the beautiful, but ouch, that would have hurt. Uh, Bunty Alfoa, look, I gave him a four, and I'm really hoping someone from or who goes along and speaks to Andrew Webster every week, or if he's on the show, on the station, as a matter of fact, this week, I really want to know what has happened with Bunty Arfoa. Uh, he got a few more minutes this week, but he's not hes not running the ball much. He, I think he had three runs this week. He's just not running at all, and I, I just want to know what the deal is with him. He starts, he came back on briefly, but he hasn't been doing that. So I, I just want to know what is up with Bunty Arfoa. Is it to do with his defense? But I just really want to know why he's not running the ball as much. He's only really running from the restarts. He's not really... It's just hard. I'm finding it really difficult with where he is at the moment. Uh, Jackson Ford gave him a six. Good work rate, but a couple of errors. Josh Curran gets a seven. I enjoyed seeing him start, but had some struggles. I think it was just the fact that uh, I can't remember if he played the full 80 off the top of my head, but he went quite, he played quite a bit, and I think just got a bit, a bit of tired legs at the end there. But the same with Jazz Tavanga, a monster effort, ran out of gas, he gets a six. Uh, they were kind of both in that in that ruck when uh, Kurt Mann kind of just easily scooted out and scored that try, which kind of put the, the nail in the Warriors' coffin there. Uh, Dylan Walker gave him a 7 he's a man of many talents and it feels like the Warriors are a lot better with him on the field it seems whenever he comes on he adds that spark and he's doing his role well he gets a 7 Bailey Surinan filled it dummy half didn't do much wrong he gets a 6 I said before the break that I gave uh, 3 Warriors players an 8 the other one was Tom Ale 100% you cannot question me on this whatsoever and if you do I don't think you've been watching him much in his career but that was what I call a coming of age game his best game to date for the Warriors massive impact strong running the ball uh, probably would have got higher but he was responsible for knocking Wade Egan out so sorry mate <laughs> and then uh, Tane Tuapuki uh, came on late didn't see too much from him ran, did some running with the ball but he gets a 5 so that's my wild wards for this week uh, between 8 and 9 next Monday we'll get them for the Cowboys but we are coming up to Four minutes away from 9 o'clock here on Extra Time. Talk some football after 9 o'clock. And we'll also have a chat with uh, Eric Thompson about some motorsport. Liam Lawson racing very well over the weekend and many suspect he'll be pushing for an F1 seat by the end of the season. So I want to get Eric's thoughts on that and a couple of other things in motorsport. But keep your messages coming through 0800 811 or text us double eight double three. What a fantastic song to come into. Uh, I think I think this is going to sum up what I'm going to discuss 
uh, very shortly. I think it's it's got a very nice ring to it. But uh, it's one minute after nine here on Extra Time with Ben Francis and for Ricardo Ball. I believe I'm in all this week. I got told I was in all this week, and I've just asked for confirmation, and I've just been left on red, so to be, to be determined. Uh, but the reason... I love that song, uh, People Know That I Love My Darts, and there's one darts player, Steve Beaton, who walks out to the song, and without sounding weird, this guy's in his late 50s, and if I look like him in my late 50s, I would be very happy. Like I'm just going to leave it at that. He's just got the swagger about him. He's got the mo. Just... Just, just fantastic, and I always sing of him, but the reason why I, I wanted to bring that up is I got a text through earlier from Brett, and he said, what was lots of sport on over the weekend? What was your highlight? And my highlight from the week, actually, it's, it's a bit of an interesting one because it's nothing sport-related over here. Uh, being a basketball fan that I am, I absolutely loved uh, seeing Udonis Haslam <laughs> kind of sign off on his NBA career uh, 24, I think he got 24 points. He had three threes. That was just fantastic. Uh, I, I like Miami. I've got a Udonis Haslam shirt somewhere. Uh, I think my partner wears it more than me, though, to be fair. Um, but he, he got some got some good minutes against Orlando Magic. And I think he, he's 42, and he's been in the league for 20 years and just seen him just play. Just, it was just some, a few memories of when he was this prime Udonis Haslam, and it was just fantastic. And just looking... <laughs> Uh, at his kind of games, and he's only played 30, 40, 44, 45, 58. He's only played 65 games in one, two, three, four, five in the last seven seasons. But he's been on, he's been great for the locker room, and just seeing him get some minutes and just absolutely balling, fantastic. Uh, definitely a legend, a Miami Heat legend. I don't know if he'd have that kind of same status if he played for another team, but for a guy that was overweight, undrafted. A uh, bit of a different journey to the NBA and part of three uh, championships with Miami, Dwayne Wade, of course, along with all those. Absolutely fantastic. So that was my highlight of the weekend. And I say so far because I'm really, really excited coming up overnight. I'm going to say probably the biggest football game of the season. 100% the biggest football game of the season. Uh, for those that missed it as well, the Wellington Phoenix lost 4-1 to Melbourne City, so that's three straight losses for them. Uh, this is not a Premier League game. We are dropping down to the National League, fifth tier of English football. And this is a very exciting game because for those that don't know, the National League is the fifth tier in the English football pyramid. Essentially... I think one team gets automatically promoted and then the next four clubs do the playoff and then the winner of the playoff also goes up to the fourth division, which is the, the first tier of professional football uh, in England. So two teams drop down, two go up. And I think from League 2 to League 1, it's four. So four go down, four go up. And then I think it's three from League 1 to the Championship three up, three down, and then three from the championship to the Premier League, three up, three down. You get the picture. The reason why I think it's going to be one of the biggest sporting events for the weekend is because Wrexham, who we all know is owned by Ryan Reynolds and his buddy, Ryan, I think it's Ryan, can't remember his name. He's also, I think he's more the football guy than Ryan. Uh, their club, Wrexham, who they've purchased, they've developed the stadium for, they've 
paying ludicrous amounts of money for guys that are classified as amateur footballers. I said that with air quotation marks, by the way, because you're not considered professional footballer in the, in the fifth tier unless you know you want to use it as a status to get your things. They face not County, illustrious football club. And the reason why it's so big is because uh, on the table, Notts County are currently top on 100 points after 42 games. They've had two losses all season. Wrexham have a game in hand, also on 100 points. So essentially the winner of this game, of course there's, other, there's a couple of other games to go for each side. But pretty much so, essentially the winner of this will pretty much get automatically promoted into the fourth tier. Notts County were in the, well, sorry, fourth tier, I should say, League Two, not the top tier. Not, I'm not going straight to the Premier League. Uh, but Notts County were in the fourth tier a few years ago. Uh, Wrexham, look, it's going to be like their first ever time, and but they've got pretty much a side that is capable of probably already playing there because with rich owners, they buy players that, should not be playing in that stand and they pay them lots of money to play lower quality football. Even their manager, Phil Parkinson, uh, he was managing in the championship just a few years ago and managed my beloved Bradford City when they beat Chelsea in the FA Cup. When Jose Mourinho said it would be a disgrace if we lost to the side and I'll never forget that moment. Sorry, Chelsea fans. But that look, um that's gonna be it's gonna be such a exciting game to see because another Welsh team in the in the football pyramid, of course, but there's just a lot riding on this game. As it's not like the other teams where you get two automatic promotions and then it's a playoff between three and six, I think it is. So, look, massive game. Massive game. Tomorrow there's going to be some happy people. There's going to be some very frustrated people, obviously. And I think with lots of rich owners as well, you're probably going to get a lot of people in the firing line. <laughs> from Wrexham if they don't win they actually dropped their last game they were actually in the box seat and then they lost their last game and that's kind of why this has made this game a little bit more important and of course they just signed recently Ben Foster who was a former Manchester United Watford goalkeeper uh, he retired and now he's down there probably getting paid a nice chunk of money as well uh, but we are 7 minutes after 9 here on Extra Time so thanks for that text earlier Brett uh, took me a while to address it but that's what I'm looking forward to, or that's what I looked forward to over the weekend, and also uh, what's coming up. Excuse me. Uh, last hour, talking some Warriors. Uh, I'll probably bring this up later in the week as well, to be fair, but I really want to know from Warriors fans how you think they're going to go on the next five games when you consider everything you've seen so far this year, when you consider their current injury toll. Uh, expect Freddie Lussick to be named at hooker. This coming week, expect Ronald Volkman to be named in the halves. There could be a potential that Tain Tuapuki could be named at six, but I highly doubt it. Uh, other changes that say expect to see Dallin back, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Tohu named in that team as well. So that's kind of where I'm looking at for changes. But five games, Cowboys, Storm, Roosters, Panthers, Bulldogs. I really want to hear from anyone out there who's a Warriors fan, just let me know how you think they're going to go. And based on their current 4-2 and two record, give me how you think they're going to go on those five. And then that will be their record heading into the first bye. And tell me if you're happy, how would you rate their season if that's, say, that's 7-4 and four or 
six and five or five and six or god worse would be four and seven don't want that but just let me know what you think the the record will be heading into that break really really curious to hear from you but i'm going to throw the question out later on the week as well give us a call 0800 150 811 or text us on double eight double three uh there was an nrl game today because it was easter monday the Parramatta eels uh getting just their second win of the season to keep the tigers uh winless that was 28 22 to the eels uh, the unfortunate thing, though, for the Tigers, to add a bit of salt to their already massive wide-open wounds, is that looks like Adam Dewey has done his ACL. So he is going to be a massive loss for them because when you're struggling, you kind of need all your guys firing, and he's probably been one of their better performers this season. And also, just recently as well, ANZ Premiership Action. We're going to hear more probably tomorrow on Centre Pass with Kieran and Storm Purvis. Uh, the Waikato Bayapinti Magic defeated the Northern Stars 71-57. Baiting Mears getting the MVP there. Uh, absolutely another great one there for the Magic. But it is uh, 10 past 9 here on Extra Time. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk some motorsport with Eric Thompson. Fifteen minutes after nine here on SENZ's Extra Time. Ben Francis filling in for Ricardo Ball all this week. Now, over the weekend, uh, one of our top motorsport drivers, Liam Lawson, made a statement in his first race in the Japanese Super Formula Championship uh, by claiming uh, race win. They had two races over the weekend in Fuji. He won the opening race. I believe he was the first rookie to win the first race in 50 years and then... Uh, I think he came fifth. I think he was demoted to fifth in the second race uh, due to a penalty. But his his performance has pretty much said, a lot of people have just come out and straight away said, look, Liam Lawson should be an F1 driver in 2024, if not earlier. So to discuss this and many other things going on in motorsport, I called on a friend of the show, and that is uh, Eric Thompson. Eric, how are you tonight? Yeah, good, thanks, Ben. Yourself? Yeah, not bad, mate. Just had a... I, I, had, I, I drove like, oh, I don't want to say I drove like a, a Formula driver. I, I drove responsibly but fast to get to the studio tonight. So I was coming back from Topol, but uh, fizz, fizz to be here. Well, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's quite a, a feather in Liam Lawson's cap, as you rightly sort of said, um, since I think, well, the modern uh, sort of Japanese Super Formula Championship and... Um, he is the first rookie to win on debut in that championship. Um, it's pretty unheard of. And especially the thing that's really impressive is, okay, you know, everybody's on simulators and, and the, you know, they have those video games and sim racing and all that. But Liam Wilson has not been on a single one of the, the tracks that they will race on in that championship. And so he's at, it was at Fuji um, this weekend, he's, he's never been on the circuit. And qualifying in that championship is really interesting. You only get 10 minutes. So he qualified on the front row. 
and um, basically drove away during the race. And, you know, he, he undercut his teammate, the defending champion, um, Tim Mugen, team, teammates, um, undercut him, you know, pissed off and just drove away in the first race and, and, and got a win. And now that, I think, from memory, one of your listeners might might bring me to task on this, but I think every single championship that Liam Lawson has actually started in, like from F4, F3, Toyota Racing Series, the DTM Championship, you know, the, the, the big saloon car, GT Racing, and, and F2, he's won a race first time out in each category he's ever started, and he did it again in Japan in the Super Formula so he's, he's sort of saying true to form, really. Oh, that's, that's a really incredible stat. I don't have to look into that. Mm-hmm. Um, could you do you know a bit about the uh, the Japanese Super Formula Championship and like how it rates in terms of other similar formats around the world? Yeah, it's the closest probably to Formula One. The cars, um, even you know, chatting to Liam Lawson and even Helmut Marco, the Red Bull driver advisory. Well, basically, the guy who picks all the, the junior Red Bull drivers has said F2, which is one step down from Formula One, is a similar car, but the Super Formula car, the Japanese Super Formula car, is faster in the straight line, um, has more downforce, and drives more like a Formula One car than even an F2 car. Um, some people sort of say Indy cars are pretty close to Formula One. Power-wise, yes, top speed maybe, but the, the, the way they handle the an Indy car is more mechan- what's called mechanical drip, uh, grip. They've got very little aero, whereas the Super Formula Japanese cars are more like an F1 car. They have a lot of aero. And um, it's sort of where, in the past, quite a few Formula 1 drivers have actually cut their teeth as the last step into F1. And they've just decided to send Liam Lawson out there to... I benchmark himself against because most of the drivers in that championship um, have raced for well since they were tiny tots on all those circuits um, and they know the the tracks inside out they know the cars inside out so just as to show how good Lawson is they've just put him in there to um, have a go and he, and, he, and he certainly sort of proved their faith in him to be honest so. Um, it, it's great, and I mean, New Zealanders have, have a really good pedigree in that championship anyway, because um, Nick Cassidy um, actually won that championship. He was the first New Zealander to actually win it um, in 2019. That's memory. correct. Yeah. So um, Liam's got a you know a bit of a benchmark, so it'd be great. He's certainly off to a flying start. Yeah. So you said it's, pro- said it's probably like the closest to actual Formula Formula One as you probably get. Uh, away from the, the Formula series. So this obviously is going to do his reputation a lot of good. And is that why lots of people are saying that he's probably ready to make that step up prob- more likely next year if, or there probably will be a seat available at some stage whether one of these teams is willing to give him a shot? Yeah, but this is where it gets really sort of quite interesting if, you, if um, some of your listeners and fans remember when Brendan Hartley had his opportunity to race for uh, Alpha Tori now, but um, Red Bull's second string team. Yeah. And unfortunately, there were a lot of mechanical issues and, you know, the car wasn't actually that good. So Liam's got to be quite careful 
about where he goes. You know, some people said he could have gone to Alpine or he could have gone to, to Haas or somebody like that. But then again, you know, do you really want to go to a team that's struggling, sort of midfield or towards the the back of the, the field? Because it doesn't matter how good you are, if you're not in a good car, um, you're not. You're just not going to shine. I mean, for example, you know, Mercedes is struggling with their car at the moment, and you know, for all the kudos that Lewis Hamilton has, you know, he's not on a particularly useful car. Actually, having said that, George Russell seems to be doing okay in it, but maybe that's a conversation for another time. But he has to go. They have to put him in in, in a good car so he can showcase his talents. So we say. But again, it's like musical chairs. And the other thing, it's so difficult for especially these days for drivers from New Zealand because, it, you know, you've got to have a global sponsor behind you. It's like Red Bull probably sells more Red Bull cans in a day in London than they would in a year in New Zealand. Uh-huh. So to them, from a commercial point of view, and it is all about commercial, I don't care how many people say about it, it should be about talent. It's not. Formula One is about commercial viability. So you're not going to get a global brand sponsoring a New Zealander because as a country, we're just too tiny. You know, we just don't have that market. So um, that's one thing that could hold them back. I sincerely hope not. But, um, and it's also, most of the time, you have to bring a whopping great check with you um, to get a seat in Formula One. It's a, it's a shame he doesn't have like a, uh, is it Lawrence Stroll uh, but behind him, like a... <laughs> What, you mean his dad who owns the team? Oh, yes. I, I, I hate that. And uh, maybe that's probably why I'm not a big Lance Stroll fan, to be honest. But I, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan when uh, when daddy's got the big... big, big, big yeah. baby. I, I think... No, you're right. But I think he, he's solid. I mean, you don't get rabbits in Formula 1. Yeah. You know, and, and, and even the guys punting around midfield. And... You know, okay, his dad owns a team, so of course he's got a seat there for as long as he likes it. But he's, you know, he's finished on the podium before. He's picked up points every year. You know, he's, he's never going to set the world on fire. You're absolutely right. But, you know, but it's like anything. You had a whole lot of, before Russia invaded the Ukraine, you had a couple of Russian drivers who just, you know, came with checkbooks for 14 to 18 million euro. So, you know, they got to drive in the lesser teams and... It's um, it's not really a champion. I think the only true championship from memory where it's all on talent is Formula E. You cannot buy a seat in that championship. It doesn't matter how big your checkbook is. Every single driver in that championship, including Nick Cassidy and Mitch Evans, the two Kiwis in that championship, they actually get paid to race in that and they're picked on talent alone. You cannot buy a seat in that championship. And I actually think it's the only... Probably the only category, you know, global world championship category where it, it's purely based on talent. You touched on the Russia thing there before. It was it was Haas and was it the last season where they had, or the season before when they had the Russian driver and I think his dad was owned the company which sponsored them and then just before the season started they had to pull the plug and bring back in, I think, was it Kevin Magnussen? Yeah, it was Marzipan, Nicola Marzipan, whose dad owned Eurocoal, I think it was, the world's largest fertilizer manufacturer. But then um, Putin invaded Ukraine, so all of a sudden any Russian athlete at the time was just like, you're on your bike, son. So they got canned, and so they got Magnuson back um, 
into Haas. But yeah, Haas aren't doing too bad. I think they picked up more points in the first two rounds than they have in the entire championship of last year. The teams are pretty. A lot of teams are pretty close. You just look at Aston Martin um, with Fernando Alonso. I've never. It's been a decade since I've seen Fernando Alonso so happy. And you know he's been on the podium <laughs> so far. He's three from three. Yeah, not bad. I, I was, I was gonna. That's gonna be my next question. I was gonna say, better uh, Alpine. I probably wish they threw a bit more money for Nando's way. <laughs> yes, they did that. I, I mean, I, I did feel for them at, at, at the last round with that in Australia. That Mickey Mouse restart for two laps. God knows how many millions of dollars worth of damage was done. And when then the two Alpine drivers took each other out. A mistake, not deliberately. So I think they'll be ruining that. But, you know, they're actually quite useful at the moment. There's a lot of... Okay, there, there are about four teams that are palpably, probably better than everybody else, but you used to have a mid-pack of about four or five teams that were quite useful. Then you had, you know, the people bringing up the rear. Now, the teams from about five to ten, like the rest of the field, are pretty much all interchangeable this year. So I'm not saying we're going to see a whole lot of passing then and it's all going to be really exciting and everybody's going to be carving to the field. But it's going to be a lot closer this year with that, you know, like the teams like Alpine and Haas and Aston Martin and Williams and maybe not McLaren. They're struggling big time. And if Ferrari get their act together and get their strategies right, they should be, you know, they'll be there or thereabouts. So there's, you know, there's quite a few teams now that are, you know, you'll see some... You'll see some pretty interesting, um, especially you know if you get a wet weather weekend, you get the odd surprise. Yeah, definitely, definitely, Eric. Uh, I'm quite enjoying the F1 at the moment, so it's uh, all good to see. But uh, we got IndyCar this weekend, and it's mm-hmm. at Long Beach, and I believe because it's a road circuit, that means uh, one of, uh, of another Kiwi who used to race in Formula Two, Marcus Armstrong, should be in action, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're absolutely right, man. He will be in because he's not doing because they got um, who did they see the Ganassi? Oh, Takuma Sato is doing the oval races for Ganassi this year while Armstrong gets his Marcus Armstrong gets his gets his head around it. So yes, it's a road course, so he'll be back in action. You know, he's he's fitted into that category pretty well. Not quite as good as Scott McLaughlin, who's got off to a hiss and a roar, but. Um, He's doing all right. He's stayed out of trouble. He's picked up points. So I think that that's going to be quite interesting at Long Beach. I mean, you know, at the moment, um, you know, you've got Scott Dixon, the perennial sort of challenger for the championships, you know, sitting nicely in, in third place after the, you know, the opening two rounds. And McLaughlin, I think, is down in eighth or ninth or something like that. So um, it'd be good to see. I actually think. Um, Armstrong will actually, you know, do do quite well in this championship because he's he's, he's been a race winner in Formula Two, been a race winner in F3. You know, he's picked up wins and challenged for championships his entire career. He's a former Ferrari driver academy. Um, again, he was another guy that tested Formula One and was a reserve driver for a, a half a season or so, I think. But again, there was just not the seats for him, and I, I think his decision to go to IndyCar was actually quite inspired. I, I don't think he would have ever got a seat in Formula One um, and to go to IndyCar where you can make your mark. And and what, what we're noticing, I don't know, in the last year or so, 
there's an awful lot of people now actually looking to the Americas and IndyCar in particular as a pathway to get into single-seater racing because that championship is in a bit of a you know, purple patch at the moment. That field, you have so many former Formula One drivers in IndyCar now, it's actually really, really interesting. So, and there's a lot of passing in it. You know, like you watch any IndyCar race, it's exciting, you have lead changes all the time, people passing, you know, it's, it's, it's really full of, you know, it's quite exciting, even the ovals, you know, everybody's nose to tail at 300 kilometres an hour, like you can't, there's a, there's a lot that they're not doing wrong in IndyCar, and I think maybe Formula One could actually take a bit of a leaf out of their book, actually, to get people to pass. That's what fans want to see, passing. They do indeed. They do indeed, Eric. And uh, lastly, I think, uh, if I remember reading correctly, that they will have a round of the uh, World Endurance Championship on this weekend too. And, of course, we've got Brendan Hartley and Earl Bamber uh, competing in that. Yes. Now, that's one of my favourite championships of all time, to be honest. And a lot of people go, why? Why do you like I like it because you have about either three or four different categories all racing on the same circuit at the same time. So you really have to be so aware of what the hell is going on because you've got your Daytona prototype car, or no, they're called um, the Le Mans prototype cars, and you've got LMP2s um, in, in the mix, and then you've got the GTs, and then you've got the uh, GTLM the Le Mans cars and, and the difference in the speeds can be up to like 130 or 40 kilometres an hour. They race at night and at daytime. I, I think it's one of the, and especially these days, there are now 11 cars in the top category. Two or three years ago, you were lucky if you got four. Now, because they've opened it up and, and the new rules means the IMSA cars, like the Daytona prototypes, can now go and race in Europe and the Le Mans LMP1 cars can now race in in the Americas. So they, they have this hybrid car now that fits both categories and suddenly all the manufacturers, you know, like Porsche are going to come in soon, Audi are looking at getting in there, you've already got Cadillac and you've got Porsche back in there and Toyota and, you know, it's, it's all just happening. That's on a growth spurt, that championship. And, you know, there's a couple of Kiwis in it, which is fantastic. Both of them have won the World Endurance Championship anyway. They're both world champions. So, yeah, that's right. And they've got uh, the success as well at Le Mans too, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, Earl's won it twice, and uh, Brendan's won it twice as well. Or has Brendan won it three times, actually? Hmm, I might have to check that. But, yeah, they've both, you know, been Le Mans champions, and, and, and that's in the open class. You know, like there's, uh, you know, we've had a couple of New Zealanders over the decades that have won you know, the odd class but to be outright winner has a certain sort of cachet i think the last new zealand i think um mitch evans believe it or not i think finished second or third in lmp2 a couple of well maybe six or seven years ago so you know like new zealanders have for a small country i think you know us and sort of iceland and finland per head of population of one of the most successful motor racing nations in the world yeah, it's good, good to hear. We like to see New Zealand competing up against the world's best. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for your time and always bringing lots of knowledge on motorsport. I, I try to pretend I know what uh, I'm talking about, but you always actually do know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I, I, I try, Ben. I try, but no, you're very well informed.
Very good. Uh, Eric Thompson, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Anytime. Uh, Eric Thompson there talking all things motorsport here on SENZ Extra Time. We are 27 minutes away from 10 here on SENZ. Coming up at 10 o'clock, I believe will be first serve with Brett Phillips, our tennis show, which is broadcast all over the SEN uh, networks across Australia and New Zealand. So tune into that. Two hours of tennis chat. That's what we like to hear. And tomorrow on uh, Mornings with Ian Smith, uh, Smithy will catch up with Ryan Fox, Greg Alexander, and Joan Patterson, who's the Women's World Cup COO. So plenty to tune into here on the station between now and tomorrow night. 16 away from 10 here. Coming up after the break, let's talk some football. Can't you see that it's just raining? There ain't no need to go outside. But baby, you hardly even know when I try to show you song is meant to keep. Yes, it has been raining, depending on what part of the country you've been in. Or weekend, unfortunately, for some. 22 minutes away from 10 here on SCNZ Extra Time, Ben Francis in for Ricardo. Now, this morning, Roberto Firmino scored a dramatic late equaliser as Arsenal's lead atop of the Premier League was cut just to six points in an action-packed encounter with Liverpool at Anfield. Arsenal were in cruise control with a two-goal lead inside the first half hour. But uh, as they went in search of their first win at Liverpool since 2012, uh, they left bitterly disappointed as they paid the price for losing their discipline at a crucial time. Let's hear from Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta. Wow, a super intense match. We started the game exceptionally well, dominated it, took the game where we wanted, scored the first one, continued to play the way we wanted, to score the second one, and and that was the moment to kill the game. And um, and just before halftime, we gave them hope. We conceded the goal, and, and they generated some belief in this special atmosphere and a stadium and the second half was a very different story um, not the way we started because I think we started really well the first few minutes but then we didn't continue to play uh, we gave every single ball away especially in very dangerous areas when you allowed open spaces and big transition moments against the best team in the world doing that and when that happens it's chaos it's a lot of balls in your box it's difficult to get out of those situations and then you have to suffer and we rely on big defensive moments where Aaron took a big part of it uh, and they missed the penalty and then we could have nicked the game because we have three huge situations on the counter that they are overloaded or we are two against two and we miss as well that ruthlessness to to take the game so looking at the two halves probably is is a fair result and you have to take it um, and the big lesson is play the way we we play the first half. Now, when you when you look back, what they've done to big teams, including this season, they are an exceptional team, and they are a very very difficult team to dominate for 90 minutes. They're going to be moments that they shift that momentum and and they create a game that they want. And when they raise the level to that, there are a few teams that can keep up, and you have the examples of the results of of the year again. So, merit to them as well because they are a really good team. The, um, the mood in the stadium changed when um, Gantz and Trent Alexander-Arnold had a, had a coming together. Um, did, you, did you see it that way? Did you, because the one thing 
bringing children in the crowd with mm. quiet and then it seemed to be sort of a year on doing the crowd got involved. I don't know if that, that's the case. We have a big chance after that. We score 3-0. Maybe the crowd doesn't get too excited. But after that, they score the goal. And that changes the, the momentum and, and the hope. But still, that we have to come in the second half and we have to play more. And that's uh, the lesson. The lesson is stick to what we've done in the first half. Play with our personalities, our way of playing. And, and that's the way we have to continue to play. And if we do that, we'll win a lot of games. Okay. In the, in the dressing room, is the atmosphere more feeling that they, they've dropped two points or are they sort of happy? That they, they when you concede at the end, always drop two points because you have it and you are suffering, but you are relying on certain moments that the feeling is, ah, we should have done it. But being fair to ourselves, they had four big chances that they could have scored and they missed the penalty. And, and we have to look ourselves in the mirror and, um, and, and we should have done much better in the second half. Ah, you need you need your goalkeeper, and you want to win and be in title races. How many times Alisson is doing what he has to do? You have to have that. You have to have those magic moments from from the keeper. We have some exceptional moments from from players today as well, and to win in grounds like that, you need that. Well, we've been responding for 30, 31 games now. It's a, it's every single day is a test, and the test is now how good we're going to be on Monday and how good we're going to prepare to beat West Ham and to play the way we want to win to, to beat West Ham. Mikel Arteta there after they drew 2-2 with Liverpool. They have a six-point lead on Manchester City. They've got eight games to go, but Man City have a game in hand. There's also a match against Arsenal to come, so very interesting times in the Premier League. Let's hear from the opposing manager, Jurgen Klopp. That reaction was top, obviously. Getting 2 down is not so cool. Um, it was not that we were... The first goal was, I would say, kind of unlucky, so Robbo slips. Um, they go inside and then it's like two rebounds we have to watch it back but that's how I saw in the first place um, and in the end Martinelli gets a foot on or I think it was Martinelli because could have been Robbo as well you know, get there um, that's a 1-0 yeah the 2-0 happened in a situation which we shouldn't have had that often like not the cross and the ball in that the ball arrives there and we didn't have a challenge beforehand so um, for that we had we needed a higher last line. It was a massive, it was a massive subject all the time because um, I understand with the with the threat they are on the wings with Saka and Martinelli speed wise um, that doesn't feel massively comfortable. But we have to do it anyway. And we, we, in the moment when we start getting more compact, then line higher, midfield closer, front three together, and in that moment it was not as easy anymore. So. Um, and moment when we got that, we were better in the game. So in possession, it was okay. It was like a lot of long balls because um, <coughs> we did maybe not move enough um, in, in decisive areas. It was a slightly different setup, um, which um, the boys had to adapt to get that. But long balls is not a problem. We can go for second balls. And we had a few good ones where we could um, make more of it. Um, we had chances before the... Uh, before we scored, so good moments. To be honest, um, 
didn't use them, but then the goal was obviously the most helpful stuff in football because then before halftime it's 2-1. I think everybody felt it. Um, we can turn this game around. And that's what we actually did performance-wise, result-wise, halfway. So um, the question I had in my mind when I, when I walked in after the game was, how can we not win this game? But we didn't. So it's a point. Um, and that's okay. And yeah, it's a, another step in the right direction, I would say. It's like the first time for a long time that we reacted really well on a what we didn't fall apart. And uh, that could have happened with everything that happened this year already. So it's now, okay, well, 1 0, 2 0, and the next chance is 3 0. Um, and um, it didn't happen. And um, because we, we, we were, uh, yeah, we looked better. We look more ready in these moments to, to, to fight back. And that's what we did. In the second half, we should have turned the game completely around um, with the chances we had. Um, and so at least the point is OK. James, you've seen some brilliant forms for Liverpool in this season. In your mind, do you know how and why It'll be like consistency and confidence. So that, that's these are the two things. And now I don't have confidence because you don't have enough positive moments. And if you have them, you you build, don't build on them, or you misunderstand them. That that's in life like it is in football, exactly the same. So um, if you are not, so we have these ups and downs in games, and over the season. So that's something we didn't have ever before since six, seven years, um, but we have it this year. So, and that's something obviously where we, where we are, where a situation where we're going through. It's, it's not cool. It's not something we wanted, um, but we go through this and you don't have, as I said before again, you don't sort it overnight. That's what we learned this year. Obviously, of course, we had when we in a, um, a normal start of the season and you win, not perfect, but no, and then you win 7-0 against Bournemouth, 9-0 against Bournemouth. Uh, how can you not misunderstand that? It's not that the next game we were completely all over the place, but we were expecting to score from pretty much each situation. We didn't. So we didn't build on that with a, with a, with a 7 0 against United. Slightly similar, but we had the next game was Bournemouth. We could have, yes, we are 1 0 down, but we could have scored the equalizer. And um, I think it was a good moment to turn the game around, but we didn't. And then we, it was like we always try to catch up uh, with ourselves pretty much. And um, so, so many things would happen this year. And so we can, there's explanations for each, each, each one. But for in general, it's what I said. We, 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 that's what we like. And today, that's why it's so important. This is not something where we go now home and, and, and don't get our arms down. So it's just uh, we, we, we did what we had to do. We helped creating an atmosphere in the stadium, and the people were, were outstanding, especially in the second half. It was fantastic. But it was because the way we played. And that, that that's absolutely cool. And um, that's something we we have to take and uh, we have now a long week which is a big difference as well and I like it the fact that we have enough time to train real time to train real time to recover for bo few boys and real time to train bringing boys back but Thiago it's super important that he um, has a few training sessions um, on top of the few we had um, Lucias will be back um, in full and normal team training and available for the game so these things are, are really really good news and then we have to go again. This time Leeds, um, we could see a little bit before before our game, because we saw when we left the hotel, it was 1-0 Leeds, and when we arrived here, it was 1-1. When I came back from the toilet, then it was 2-1, so and, um, <coughs> that's it. And um, so 
that will be a tough one, but um, we have no excuses. We have to make sure we are ready again and build on that today. I set up the Chelsea game, it was a step in the right direction. It was probably for a lot of people thinking, oh God, what is he talking about? Well, it was a step from different points of view. And today, um, that was another step. So we were part of a spectacular football game because we were good for an hour. Okay, with con but conceding in the first half an hour and then good. And yeah, we should have won the game, but we didn't. Against the team, the team in form, flying, they're tuning up. That can, that can, anything can happen today, and it didn't because of us. And that's fine. Jurgen Klopp sure loves to talk. Our last answer went off quite a while there. Uh, we had ten minutes away from ten here on extra time. We will wrap the show up after the break. It's extra time on ECNZ. Alrighty, that pretty much does us here on Extra Time for tonight. Coming up after the break, we'll be first served with Brett Phillips, that show done out of Australia. I uh, did end up getting a couple of text messages through on double eight double three about the Warriors in the next five games, and I will address those on Wednesday. We will revisit the topic. I'm just going to put it down to a long weekend. People being a bit shy. Warriors fans now hiding again after a disappointing loss to the Newcastle Knights. But... Uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we will have Super South. Joey Wheeler will be co-hosting that one. And then, of course, Chiefs Mana, 7.30, Ian Carmo Jones. I think he's going to be doing the next few shows on the road. Uh, so he'll be joining the show remotely. Then 8 o'clock, Kieran and Storm will have Center Pass with you. And then between 9 and 10, Justin Nelson and Casey Frank join the studio for the latest or well, the second edition of Hoopheads. Uh, so that will be plenty of great basketball to chat with the Sal's NBL getting underway during, or well, last week it got underway. That's all from me tonight. Thanks so much for listening in. First serve coming up after the break here on SCNZ. Ben Francis signing off. Enjoy the rest of your Easter Monday.